brothers and sisters, it's like, hey, we're family. Ain't no big deal. We're family. Uh, it's good to have uh, Pastor Reed and Tammy and their two sons here with us. They're, they're on staff at uh, Word of Faith Church in Concord. And uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, I, my friends from, uh, th- that was in our church when we were there, uh, Danny and Brenda Hanson, we love them. Danny, I'll, I'm, I'm so jealous of his hair. I want his hair, but he won't give it to me. He's just going to keep it in spite of it. So it's so good. God is gracious to us. And Pastor uh, Luis, it's so good to meet you. It is, uh, is, is, um, now I can't even. Huh? Sonia. Is that your wife, Sonia? Oh, okay. Yes, but she's not here. But she's not here. Yeah, I got you. Anyway. <laughs> she threw the name out. I just thought I'd repeat it. Well, you tell Sonia I missed her. <laughs> Oh, my Lord, isn't that great? Hallelujah. And Jessica, good to see you again tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, she said she might be like, she's a Florida Gator fan, you know. She got that from her dad. And uh, she said if we, if we have a great service, she might throw Gatorade on me. I said I better wear my raincoat plus whatever else I'm wearing, you know. Amen. Um, Some people still think that the enemy has a right to go up into the heavens and accuse them before God. Some people actually think that Satan goes to God and says, hey, man, they're they're not living right. They're not doing right. Um, But you know something? He can't can't enter into heaven anymore. Uh, once, Once he was cast out, he never, ever has gone up to heaven again. He don't even want to go near Jesus. He don't want to go near the throne of God. And the Bible says that that he has been cast down from heaven. The reason you have so many uh, obstacles come against you and afflictions is because he's down here. Uh, One thing I love about uh, God is that um, he's omnipotent, but Satan, Satan has no omnipi-anything in him. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. Satan has no omni in him at all. He's a very limited being. And he's not equal with God. You know, some people say, well, he's the opposite of God. No, he's not even opposite of God. To be opposite of somebody, you have to be equal with him. He never has been equal with God. He never will be equal with God. God's here. Satan's there. But, the re- but see, we have power to overcome. Every Christian, you know, I hear people quote it all the time. Well, you know, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. away. And you act like the, he gets by with it. The, the Bible didn't say he got by with it. It says that's why he came. But in the same verse, Jesus rises up or raises up and he says, but I have come. Some of y'all need to start living in the but I have come. See, the but I have come says, I won't let him get by with what he intended. For this reason was the Son of God manifested because he knew, God knew the enemy was down here. He knew we needed salvation. So Jesus left there to come here. Why? To destroy all the works of the devil. Quit saying the devil can still uh, can, can, uh, continue to steal and kill and destroy from you because, see, Jesus says, but I have come. Well, why have I come? I came to give life. See, he came to steal it. I came to give it. Guess who wins? Jesus, every time. And I came to give life, but not just give it to you. Uh, wherever the devil has taken something from you, I believe the attitude of Jesus is, I'm going to give it back to you plus more. See, God always gives us more than what the devil can take. 
And some of us are crying over the one place the devil touched us or the one place he was effective. And you've got to remember, Jesus expects you to have much more than what was taken from you. Even the Old Testament says this. It says uh, in Deuteronomy 28, it says, The enemy that comes at you with sickness or the loss of money or that loss of a car or your family situation, quit worrying about that one thing and start focusing on seven ways you're going to be used of God to affect the kingdom of darkness. Lord, this time we realize we've got these weapons, we've got this power, we have gifts, and we ought to be affecting Satan's kingdom seven times more than he affects ours. So God, raise us up to that level again. Let us not be these poor-mouthed little Christians that are waiting to get out here so we can get up there where everything's good. Lord, bring some good here while we're here in Jesus' name. Amen? And, uh, and so the Bible says that, that when he was kicked out, he started accusing the brethren. And the Bible says this in Revelation 12, 11, It says, and they overcame him. They overcame him. How did they overcome him? One, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We're going to talk about that tonight, the power that's in the blood. I love preaching about the blood. You don't hear many people, many churches anymore preach about the blood at all. But I tell you, the blood of Jesus wasn't an event. It's not a historical thing. It's not something that happened. The blood of Jesus is still real. It's still powerful tonight. It's not something that God uh, uh, capsulated and, and, and gathered together in some kind of urn or vessel, and he's got it up there in heaven. The blood of Jesus is totally alive and speaking for us tonight. I mean, when you can't even speak and pray and say, God, I don't even know how to pray for this. I, I wish you could hear the Spirit of the Lord say, my son's blood's got it covered. My, son, my son's blood is speaking for you. So even when I can't get the words out, his blood has already declared something for me tonight. And, and turn to uh, Leviticus chapter 18, if you will. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. But in Leviticus chapter 18, we'll start this uh, uh, ministry tonight. We're going to have a powerful time as the Lord begins to just minister to you some powerful truth and some uh, miraculous touches in your life tonight. But in Leviticus 17, I said 18, verse, chapter 17, verse 11. And uh, just listen as, as I read it, and it's probably up there on the wall too. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. We know that, don't we? Because if you bleed out, you're, you're, you're dead. And he says, the life of the flesh, though, listen, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. That word atonement means I, I have, through my blood, I have made it totally available for you to be at one with me. Some of y'all think you're Christians and God's still angry at you. You're Christians and God's still disappointed in you. You're Christians and you'll never match up. You don't understand. God says through Jesus Christ, you and I are one. We're at one with each other. We're not at odds with each other. We're at one with each other. And he says, for I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Watch this. For it is the blood that makes atonement. It's the blood that is powerful. It is, and with us, it's because the Lamb of God who is spotless and perfect and sinless, he shed his blood. But that blood is what makes atonement for us. And Father, I want to thank you. I, I know people that panic in the middle of a crisis or maybe in an emergency on the highway and will cry out, oh, the blood of Jesus. And I don't think God's offended at that. But I think God wants you to recognize something. There's more to the blood of Jesus in your life than crying out in the midst of a panic. There's a blood of Jesus that's been made available for you 24-7 that you can live in the freedom of it, in the peace of it, in the power of it, and in the authority of it. 
I thank God that the blood of Jesus covers me 24-7. While I'm sleeping, the blood of Jesus covers me. And he's speaking things for me. And so I, I want to share a few verses with you. And this isn't on the PowerPoint, but we'll get to the next one. But in Hebrews 13, 12, and, and, and I didn't know there was any other verses in Hebrews 13, but 13, 8, that's four square verse. But there, is, there are other verses in, in chapter 13. But it says this of Jesus. Listen to this, how powerful it is. Therefore, Jesus, that he might sanctify the people by his blood. Now watch this. What's the word sanctify means? You think it means make me holy, sinless, and, 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 and boy, I, I'm not there. And, and you know, we have certain denominations that believe you get total sanctification, you get part sanctification, it's progressive sanctification, it's instant. I don't sanctified means that the blood of Jesus has separated you and taken you away from any kinds of cords or world or sinly or, or uh, evil wrappings that keep you under control. The blood of Jesus disconnected you. And now you are a free agent under the power of the Almighty God. There is no power that can influence you anymore. you got to quit saying, the devil made me do it. Or he's been on my back all week. You need to learn how to change your vocabulary and speak according to what Jesus' blood has accomplished for you. Once you learn to do that, you're going to be, you're going to be amazed at how many things that you go through that used to be crisis that would cause you to have a panic session. You'll be surprised how you go through them with victory. God, thank you for the power of the blood. It says here so, that Jesus could sanctify us by his blood. Watch here. Sanctify the people with his blood. He suffered outside the gate, and therefore let us go forth unto him outside of the camp. Let me quickly say this. Many people in this building have certain camps where you've, you've landed, and that's where you're living. Uh, something happened to you, and you think it's permanent, and you'll never get out of it. So you're just saying, God, thank you that you at least help me in this. Some of you think your finances is, is your finality. Some of you think your physical sicknesses or diseases or, or infirmities in your body. Well, I, you know, I may as well just learn how to live in this and just thank God anyway. Here's what I'm saying, hearing God say. And some of you have a small perimeter for your camp. See, if you're going to go camping with God, make it big. But he, I want you to come out of the camp and come to me, Jesus says. And the Bible says that we need to leave our camps to go out to where he is. I love what uh, the picture in the Old Testament is, is, is in Exodus where, where God uh, visits with Moses in the tabernacle. And the Bible says Moses pitched the tent, not a fit. See, we're pitching fits, and God wants you to pitch a tent. Uh, Moses pitched a tent far, watch this, far away from the camp. Because he knows the children of Israel in the camp is full of religion, is full of doubt, is full of fear, is full of anger, is full of sin. And Moses knew, I need to give God a place outside that camp because he's going to do miracles. I want you guys to start giving God his place. Quit making God be stuck in the middle of your problem. He's not in the middle of your problem. He's ready to dissolve your problem, but don't stick God in there. That's what Peter means in, in uh, 1 Peter, uh, I think it's 3.15. He says, but sanctify, there's that word again, but sanctify the Lord God in your own hearts. Now, Brother John, I thought God was holy, and we don't have to sanctify him. He's got to sanctify us. That word's not talking about holy. That word is saying, make sure you don't keep God tied down to your little problems. Sanctify him and let him out. 
separate him from your opinion, your viewpoint, your feelings. Separate God and put him in the place where he belongs. See, don't ever think God is in your sickness because he's now sick in my body. I'm not saying you're in that sickness trying to teach me something. I'm putting you in your place. You're the healer of sickness. You may be having family problems galore. God, I'm not going to make you camp out in my problems, but I'm going to make my problems go to where you are because you're not the God who gives us problems. You're the God who answers our problems. But some of y'all need to sanctify God tonight. You need to let him be God again and quit making him be uh, a God who might if he's in a good mood or maybe I didn't do something right. God, we just take time right now. Why don't you raise your hands to him? Lord God, uh, by your spirit, we're going to learn how to sanctify you, how to let you have your proper place, how to never pin you down to a carnality or a sinfulness. We sanctify you tonight. And Lord, we come to you where you are for our healing and our deliverance. In Jesus' mighty name. And so even in this verse, it's saying uh, that we need to go outside the camp to where Jesus is. So God, I'm through being, uh, this church needs to go outside of their camp. Uh, sometimes churches have a mentality. This is about where we're going to get, and, and this is how big we are, and, and we're going to struggle here, and we'll get new people, but we'll lose some people. You know what, church? Get out of the camp. This church needs to be free to move without, without camping in all the time. And God, we thank you for helping us with that. Hebrews 10, 29 says this, and I'm just going to paraphrase it a little bit. Of how much more severe punishment do you think someone would do? God's saying there, nobody should have to be punished because of these things. But yet there's Christians here tonight who need to ask God to cleanse you and forgive you that we've done this. Number one, he says, if they trample Jesus Christ under their feet. You're saying, I'd never do that. That's blasphemous. No, 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 no. Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the deliverer. Jesus, the supplier of everything I need and more. And yet, when that bill comes, you're thinking, what can we do to help this thing out? We've got to cut back here. We've got to cut back here. Nothing wrong with wisdom. But when you make yourself become the answer to your problem that really is a spiritual problem, you just put Jesus under your feet. When you make your, when you, when you say, okay, I'm sick here, and, and, and hear me again, there's wisdom with this, there's balance. And so uh, I got to take all the medication I have, I got to listen to the doctors, and whatever they say, and especially moms and dads and grandparents, uh, psychiatrists or psychologists will say something about your kids, and they're going to be with that. That's their disorder all their life. You've you got to learn not to put Jesus under your feet, and don't put him under their feet either. Because Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is a restorer. And so when you make Jesus be limited to your efforts to make something better, you just said, Jesus, I can do this better than you. I don't really want to ever do that to Jesus, but I have done it. And those who count the blood of Jesus as a common thing, American church today and most of us, you don't understand the power that's right now in the activated blood of Jesus Christ right here tonight in our presence for you to have supernatural advantages. You think the blood of Jesus was a historical event. He shed his blood. It's over with. Now at least we get to go to heaven. Jesus, forgive us that we count your blood so common. Because see, the blood of Jesus isn't common. It is superb. It is supernatural. It is holy. And Jesus, we, from this day forward, we're always going to remember even whatever happens in our life, it may be thrown in our face, but at that moment, may your spirit bring this message up and say, you know what? The blood of Jesus has covered this. The blood of Jesus speaks for me right now. Hallelujah to God. And, and, and it goes on. 
And it says uh, not only um, counting the blood of Jesus is common, but it also says insults the Spirit of God. And I don't want to take a lot of time on that. But there are Spirit-filled Christians who speak them in tongues and all that stuff that still insult the Spirit of God. How do you insult the Spirit of God or the Spirit of grace? You do it by trying to live by the law and effort and sweat again, and you forget that He's given you a covenant of grace and you're continually trying to make yourself better for God. Don't make yourself better for God. Let God make you better for Him. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. And so, God, I'm not going to insult the spirit of grace by by thinking that you've given up on me because of my almighty God. People start believing that and saying that in your own hearts. And I want to show you something that the, the message tonight has to do with the blood of Jesus that speaks I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 4 just for a moment. You know this story. It's the first murder in the Bible. <laughs> the first murder in the Bible in the history of mankind that we know of, that the Bible speaks of. In Genesis chapter 4, I'll start reading. Uh, and, and the reason this all happened, you've got to understand this. Um, Cain gave God offerings from his fruitfulness, from his harvest. Cain's offerings, it it isn't that God loved Abel more than Cain. Cain's offerings represented a token of man's love for God. Abel's offering, because it was blood, represented a full sacrifice. The reason God loved Abel's offerings more than Cain's was Abel's offerings represented what Jesus Christ would do for us. Jesus just didn't give us the first fruits. He first gave us his blood. He gave us his total life. Then comes first fruits. And so, but Cain can't handle that. He doesn't know all this revelation. He doesn't know there's a reason why God had to give more honor to Abel's. But he's jealous and he's angry and he's frustrated with God. Listen, can I tell you something real carefully here tonight? And I wish more people could hear it. If you start getting angry and mad at people in this world that have hurt you or offended you, what you're going to do is when you get angry at, at a person or at God for not changing that, you'll begin to slay your own family. You won't mean to, but you'll begin to slay them. You need to ask God to uh, uh, encourage you and allow you to remember, I'm even going to forgive the people that don't even deserve to be forgiven. After all, are you doing something special when you do that? No, you're actually just doing what God does for you because you don't deserve it either. And so God, I want to thank you that we can have forgiveness. But Cain was mad at God, and because he was mad at God, it caused him to murder his own family. Whoever you are, if you think God let you down, and he didn't come through in time, he didn't heal, he didn't deliver, he didn't bring that money, we lost our house. What you need to do is say, you know what, Father, forgive me that I ever had any animosity or even any indictments against you because, God, the last thing I need to do is slay my own family with my attitudes. So he kills, Cain, he kills Abel. He picks probably a big rock and just smashes him in the head. Abel's dead. And, and here's where we pick it up. Verse 8. Now Cain talked to Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, and Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Now how many of you know God knew where he was? I mean, you never hide from God. There's no hiding. It's a real religious answer, of course. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And I got to tell you guys something. Even if you despise your brothers or your sisters or even your family, you are still assigned of God to be their keepers. You're not assigned of God to slay them with your mouth or your attitudes. God, help us to become more like Christ. 
I'm so glad Christ has always been his brother's keeper. In your case, his sister's keeper. And he keeps us every day, doesn't he? And, and then he said, and, and God said to him, verse 10, what have you done? Now watch this. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. Now there's a verse in Hebrews 11 that says this, that even though Abel was dead, his blood still spoke. Can I tell you, your blood still speaks. Every time you've ever been cut in life or wounded, I've got to tell you, I believe God heard that. See, he hears the blood. How many of you know that blood speaks? Okay, I'll tell you why. DNA. The forensic scientist will tell you in a second, that's your blood speaking. Your blood will tell us who you are, where you've been, how sick you were, how you got sick. It'll tell us how you were killed. Your blood will tell us just about everything about your life. How many of you know God hears your blood? And I'm so thankful when he hears my blood, he doesn't judge me guilty. But he's dead. His blood still speaks. I was amazed at this story in the Bible. Uh, Elisha, we talked about him yesterday. Elisha had so much of that anointing, that double power, that even when he died and he had been in the grave probably a year by now, And so even though he's dead, no skin on the bones, it's all bones, his sepulcher, somehow it was open. And when this army came by that had one of their their fellow soldiers had been killed and they were just trying to get him to safety too, they they thought, man, we've got to somehow get this guy, uh, get rid of him so we won't all die. So they threw his body over into Elisha's tomb. And when he touched When he touched the bones of a dead prophet, there was so much power in those bones that it raised him from the dead. I want you to quit saying, I don't feel half dead. I don't think I'm any good for Listen, your bones could still be filled with power if you'd start living that way. And even when you die, you still have power. And so, God, thank you that our blood can still speak even if it's dead. Abel was dead physically, but his blood was crying out to God. And the thing about Abel's blood, it was crying out from the ground trying to reach the divine. And and that's what we do. Sometimes we we pray backwards. We're praying like we're stuck here trying to reach a God. We don't always have to pray up from out of our dilemma. We could be up there seated with God in our understanding and pray down on our circumstances and say, God, I pray from the throne of grace. I pray from Jesus Christ's perspective. I pray this thing as he sees it, not as I'm trying to see it where I am. See, we need to learn how not to be so upside down in our prayers. So Abel's blood was saying, God, come get him. Without him verbalizing it, his blood was actually saying, I need vengeance. You need to deal with Cain. He murdered me. Now watch this. Let's go to another place in Scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. And look at verse, we'll, we'll look at verse 24 and, uh, and, and verse 25, I think it is. Hebrews 12. Now this is speaking of the same situation, but this is not talking about uh, Abel as much as it is of Jesus. But watch these verses. And he's, uh, Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, not necessarily Paul, but he was saying, we're the ones that can come to this mountain and not be burned and disintegrated. We get to come to the mountain and live. And, and then he says, we also, in verse 24 of chapter 12, he says, we get to come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 
Thank God for the new covenant, Brother Reed. And the sprinkling, that is the blood that speaks better things than Abel's. Jesus' blood, and look at all the better things that Jesus accomplished because of his blood. I mean, we, we, we got the advantage, Danny. We, we're not just Christians trying to get to heaven. When Jesus died for me and I received his blood in my life, he's given me better covenant, better promises. Everything's better. Better than the world can give. Better than the Old Testament can give. Jesus, we receive the betterness of your blood in Jesus' name. And it says here, he speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Now watch this. It says he speaks. The blood of Jesus, after he died on the cross, and, and the blood ascended into the heavens to him, uh, the blood of Jesus doesn't cry. See, Abel's blood cried in a panic. Jesus' blood speaks in prophetic proclamation. Jesus never panics. And when he speaks from heaven over your life, Cheryl, he speaks with declaration and authority and power. He doesn't have to scream. He doesn't have to say, you better know I mean it. Once his blood speaks, it's done in the name of Jesus. You need to know that the blood of Jesus cannot be argued with by any demon power. That's why demons leave when you plead the blood of Jesus. When you claim the blood of Jesus, they can't hang around it. They don't even want to be near the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that this verse says that your blood, Jesus, speaks from heaven. Now look at verse 25. See to it, people, that you do not refuse him who speaks from heaven. For if they did not escape who refused him when he spoke on the earth, how people listen to me tonight. Jesus is always speaking over you. There's never a moment. You think, oh no, I gotta pray. What can I do? I gotta make sure God knows about my problem. I gotta make him aware. I gotta bombard heaven. You don't have to bombard heaven. But I want to tell you the blood of Jesus and Jesus himself who is an everlasting intercession. See, some people think Jesus is up there praying while he ever lives to intercede. He is not up there on his knees praying for you. He doesn't have to pray for you. He shed his blood for you. His blood and him being alive, sitting right by the right hand of the Father, he is the continual intercession. Every time God looks there, he says, oh yeah, Jesus, you've got him covered. Jesus is not up there praying, but his life is my prayer. He prays over me by living. He prays over me by reigning as the Son of God. His life prays over me, and I have victory because of it. Let us understand, Jesus, that we don't have to get you panicking with us and saying, verbalizing certain prayers against Satan. Your blood has already destroyed him, conquered him, ruined him. Wow. Jesus, let us understand how much you speak for us tonight. A picture that I can show you that shows you the power of the blood of Jesus. If you look at the places where Jesus bled out of his body, just out of his body, he bled in six different places from what I could discover. Six different places in his body where he shed blood. When he hung on the cross, the Bible says in Colossians 2.14, having erased all the handwriting, Brother Mike, of the ordinances that's been held against me. See, religion holds ordinances against you. You're not fasting enough. You're not praying enough. You cheated the other day. Religion always accuses you and condemns you. But you've got to understand something about my Lord. Every place he shed blood in his body represented curing an ordinance or, uh, uh, or things that we do commemorate uh, as, as far as works. Watch this. The tabernacle of Moses. If you go into the tabernacle of Moses, you'll see that all the furnishing is set up in the shape of a cross. God knew what he was doing when he did that. 
How many of you know that even the children of Israel camped out in the shape of a cross? The north, south, east, and west, and in the middle was the tabernacle. The tabernacle, the presence of God, was in the center of what... When the enemy saw uh, the Israelites when they came over the hills, they were confused because most, most, most people camp out in a circle trying to protect themselves. But wow, what is this thing? That looks like a cross. I think Satan's afraid to get near you if you understood this. But when Jesus was on the cross, watch this, Clint. His feet would have covered the, the, the uh, altar of sacrifice. And his blood would have covered that. Spiritually speaking, his blood covered that. And his blood, Jesus' blood says, from now on, you don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to keep cutting yourself and making sacrifices trying to impress me. My blood takes care of every sacrifice. If you move on up into the tabernacle, you'll find the labor of water where after they did the sacrifices, they washed themselves and made sure they were clean. Guess what covers that labor of water? His side. Guess what came out of his side on the cross? Blood and water. And Jesus' blood on the cross is saying this. You don't have to, you're not just clean on the, yourself all the time. You don't have to try to get clean for me. My blood cleanses you. You're not just clean on the outside like the Pharisees. You're clean on the inside. I take the dirt out from the inside of you as well as off of you. Thank you for your side, spiritually speaking, covering that labor of water. You go on into the tabernacle. And the right hand of Jesus would have covered the table of candles or the uh, candlesticks. What is he saying there? I want you to know, and some of us might have come out of religions where you had to light candles, and I'm not going to put those things down or, or you know, demean them, but I want to tell you something. We never have to light another candle for Jesus because, see, he became the light of the world for me. And he said, my blood takes that ordinance away. You never have to practice lighting candles. Now, we do it on New Year's Eve and communion service on Christmas sometimes. That's okay. We're just saying, Jesus, you're the light of the world. But we don't have to light candles and bend down and pray, oh God, I pray that uh, somebody will have mercy on me. No, Lord, I thank you. The light of the world is Jesus. And when we go to heaven, there'll be no need for our lights or our lanterns because he'll be the light. Hallelujah. On the other hand, you'll find when Jesus bled out of this hand, he covered the table of showbread. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to bake bread anymore and offer it to me in a wave offering and a heave offering. You don't have to do that legal stuff anymore. And I don't mind people. We, we, everywhere we travel, there's always people that are into the Messianic. They love the Messianic. They love the feast. They love the things of Israel. I don't mind it at all either. It's a great, it's a great illustration of who Jesus is. I love it. I'm okay with it. But I don't have to do it. Because, see, Jesus became my bread of life. Sister Beth, he is our bread, and we partake of him every day. He's not moldy bread. He's not stale bread. He's not crummy. He's fresh every day. My wife just made some homemade bread the other day. I thought I was in heaven until she gave it to the neighbors. <laughs> but <laughs> then I thought I was in purgatory. <laughs> I said, my gosh, woman, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I love my bread. <laughs> And then in the middle of the tabernacle, watch this. You realize that when Jesus was on the cross, there was so much excruciating pressure and pain and taking your sins that he bled on the inside. They say his heart actually burst. And he bled on the inside. But guess where his heart would cover in the tabernacle? 
the place of worship, the labor of worship, the altar of worship, always to worship. You know why? Because the heart of Jesus always, even when he was in the earth, his heart was always to worship the Father. I wish some of y'all would quit having so much problem worshiping God. The day will come, Pastor, in our nation where people will be so exuberant and so excited to worship God, you won't have to drill them to get their hands up. The day's coming where you're going to be so excited and overwhelmed with what God's doing in your personal life that every time you get a chance, you're going to raise your hands and praise Him. Oh God, I thank you for that. But Jesus, you, your blood covered that so I don't have to keep, I don't have to keep uh, going to that little altar and, and offering that kind of worship. I am, I've become a worship to God in Jesus' name. And then His head, He bled in the head. That covered the Ark of the Covenant. And Jesus' blood was saying, from now on, you can enter into this place and have peace with God. No matter who you are, no matter what's happened, you can enter in because my blood heals and tears that curtain apart so you can enter into my presence anytime you want to. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's how I want to kind of uh, get this message wrapped up. Um, of course, it takes me a long time to wrap anything. You understand that. That's why I get people at the department stores to do my wrapping for me. <laughs> I can't even do this kind of rapping, you know. <laughs> I'm not a good rapper, no matter which way I do it. <clears throat> Watch this. I just told you six places where Jesus bled out of his body. But that's not what gives you the real power tonight. Here's what gives you the real power. There's six places where he bled geographically. Different places. The first place was in the garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means this. Geth means pressure. Semony means seed. It's the place where the true seed of God sometimes has to be crushed so that the seed life will come out rather than soulish life. Jesus, when he was praying in the garden, was praying in such agony. Why? His agony wasn't about God not treating him right. His agony wasn't about all that. His agony was he was taking your sin and my sin and also taking your punishment all at the same time and then add the whole world to it. He was ingesting that into his being. Sister, that would put you in agony. And Jesus, even when he said, oh, Lord, if there's, be, if there's any other way, now I'm going I'm to tread on a little dangerous ground, but not too bad. If there be any other way, take this cup from me. Jesus was not praying not to die. He had never been separated from the presence of God, and he knew that's what was going to happen. All he was saying was, God, is there another way I can still die, but yet not leave your presence? And so he was wrestling with that. He didn't want to be away from his father in presence, but he still realized, i got to do it, because if I don't do this, times and, and have salvation. And so he says, God, and he prayed those times, and, 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 and he, he prayed three different times in such agony, and he says, God, if there's any other way, and then finally he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible says while he was praying, his sweat came out like blood, as blood. Jesus bled from the inside, brother. There is a, a, a medical term, hemothrobosis, which actually means people, only, and it's only rare occasions where people get under such duress and such stress that their sweat glands actually, uh, or, or the, yeah, their sweat glands actually break apart and the, and the blood comes out through the sweat glands. And that's what was happening with Jesus. He was under such agony. Not about dying, but the agony of your pain, my pain, your hellishness. 
stupid things we do, all of that going into him at one time. And yet he says, God, I need to die for them. His blood that day, hear this carefully, his blood was speaking right now when it was shed. Now listen, the power's in the blood. So it, it, when it came out of his body, something about his blood started speaking that moment. It was speaking this, from now on, I don't want my people to have to wrestle with and be tormented about the will of God. You make the will of the time, God gets sometimes. You think the will of God, I got to be here, I got to be there, I got to go there, I got to be there at that certain time, God gets back. You know, I, I love that we want to do what God wants us to do and be in the right place. But the will of God is not really a place we go. The will of God is Jesus in us being seen 24 7. If I can't make it to Africa, God's not going to judge me all my life and say, You should have gone to Africa, you missed it. No, 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 no. The will of God isn't that I miss going to Africa. The will of God would be if I sulk all the time and miss revealing Jesus to somebody. Jesus is the will of God in my life. And God wants you to know, the Bible says this, for it is God who works in you both to desire and to do his will. I don't want Christians to say anymore, it's so hard to do the will of God. No, 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 you don't understand the will of God if that's what you're saying. Number one, God says, it's me who works in you to desire to do it, and I'll give you the power to do it. No more excuses. We can do it. And even Romans 12, 2 says that. uh, uh, Don't be conformed to the world, but you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is the good will of God and the perfect will of God and the acceptable will of God. We get an opportunity to prove that there's three dimensions. It's one will. It's not three different wills. I hear so many people say, I'm just thankful I can at least live in the permissive will. No, 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 no. I don't want to live in a permissive will. I want to live in all three dimensions. You may be able to prove it's perfect. But listen to this. When it says that you may be able to prove, it's not saying go out there and try to prove and see if God will do it. It's saying go out there with the proof and evidence of how great God is and prove his will to somebody else. Not prove it so you'll believe it, but because you believe the will of God, go out there and prove it to somebody else. God, let us be those kind of people. You know, there's another place where Jesus bled, geographically speaking. He bled in the courtyard. This is where, now watch this. This was his own people, Matt. This was his own people who should have loved him, but they were so jealous of him. How many of you know religion hates power? Religion hates grace. And these Jewish people in those days were so religious, they hated everything Jesus represented. They hated his guts. It's just like people today that hate our president. I'm not saying he's a golden boy by any means, but for a Christian to say he hates them, they need to get saved again. You don't hate anybody. Anyway, um, Caiaphas, the high priest, takes Jesus. And this is sad. Allison, they blindfold him. They want to mock him. And then they take sticks and their fists and they start beating him in the face. See, Jesus suffered that for you. They didn't want to make him break out in blood necessarily, but they bruised him. They bruised him. They put all kinds of contusions. The Bible says in one place, beat it in. He was a man when he was hanging on the cross. His face was so deformed from where they beat it in. But even when he was being beaten like that, hear me carefully about your Lord tonight. His blood inside, even while he was suffering, saying, Lord, Father, I want you to make sure that you heal every inward wound and every bruise that Jessica ever has in her life, where people bruise her and wound her and and, and afflict her, God, uh, her feelings, the inside of her. And Jesus, the Bible says he he was bruised for our iniquities. 
And iniquities are inside stuff. I want you to know tonight, your Jesus loves you. And he knows you were going to two-time him and mess up. And yet he said, Father, let my blood right now, while they're beating me, let my blood speak for them to be healed inside where their wounds and bruises are. Heal their feelings. And then another place where Jesus bled was when they, they got through with him. And then they threw him to Pilate in the judgment hall. And in the judgment hall, Pilate acts like the cool guy, the good guy. Listen, don't give Pilate too many uh, uh, accolades. He was one of the meanest, most wicked uh, kings in Roman or rulers in Roman as, as they ever had. He was one of the worst. Just because he felt a guilt trip and says, you know, I don't see anything guilty with him. He, he was so guilty by the Lord. But when Pilate beat so mercilessly, he said, okay, you can have him. I'm not going to kill him. Pilate beat him so mercilessly that you guys got mad at Mel Gibson because he showed it so ugly. I don't, I don't even know if he even touched the extent of it. Brother, they ripped his skin off of his back, off of his body. Those cat of nine tails were stones, glass, and metal. And every time they whipped him, they ripped some flesh off. And while he was being beaten that way, <laughs> you cry all the time, God, I feel like I'm being beaten. His blood, Jesus. Oh, Father, let my blood... <laughs> Let my blood bring healing to them. Heal them physically. Heal them spiritually. Heal them emotionally. Heal their minds. Oh God, let my blood heal them. You see, Jesus healed you. His blood gave you healing before the cross. We always say, well, it was the blood of Jesus on the cross. No, 1 Peter 2.24 says... On the cross, he forgave us of our sins. But it was by his stripes on his back that we were healed. And even while they were beating Jesus just to the cross, his blood is powerful no matter where it is. And even while they were beating him, his blood had power to speak over you and say, God, I want every kind of healing there is to always be theirs. Lord, let them not ever be without healing. But don't limit it to physical, man. Don't limit it just to... Let Jesus bring that sudzo healing, which means healing of the whole man. Heal your past and heal your present. And then Jesus, they, they got done with him and they said, well, we can't do much with him. So they sent him back in the courtyard, this uh, courthouse instead of the courtyard. He's now in the temple. He's in the courthouse. And here's what they do. They ripped that robe off of his back where they'd put one on him and he was bleeding so bad it probably was already stuck to his back. But they didn't care. They ripped it off his back. This was Jesus for you, brother. And then they gave him a reed. It wasn't a scepter. It was a stick. And they put a scarlet robe back on his back, probably pressed it into the blood. And then they got this crown of thorns. Brother Lewis, the thorns were at least five to six inches long. These weren't rosebush thorns. May I use you as an example, honey? Thank you, because you belong to the youth pastor, right? So that's okay. So that guy that was playing. Oh! No, I know that. No, I mean the associate pastor. That guy that was playing left-handed. 
That's him, right? He's weird, you know. I'm left-handed too in most things. I'm not going to hurt you. They took the crown, mocking him, and they put it on his head. And then if you read and study uh, the culture of that day, they beat it on his head with sticks. They pounded those thorns. Brother, they pounded thorns into his crown of his skull. That's excruciating pain right there. Don't even think migraines even touch that one. What was his blood crying right then at that moment? Because see, as soon as the blood comes out of the body and is shed, it starts crying, it starts speaking. And his blood was saying, Father, I want you to break every curse on their lives. Because see, when, God, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that happened, the ground was cursed. The ground was cursed. And what grew in the ground? Thorns. Right now, I want to tell you, Brother Ink, the thorns, the crown of God was saying, God, I want you to make sure that ink never has a curse that can destroy him, never has anything that can bind him up. God, I pray that my thorns, where I'm bleeding, will right now set them free from any curse. I want you to quit thinking that your mom and daddy and movement about generational you and the generational curses. I don't know. There's, there's books written in the charismatic movement about generational curses. And I understand generations above me that did things that were of the curse, but I don't have to take them. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He became a curse to set me free from the curse. And God, I want to thank you tonight that the blood of Jesus right now cries out over some people in here that thought they were under some kind of financial curse or medical curse or physical curse or mental curse. God, this runs in our family, anger and bad tempers and, and, and lust and all this stuff. It runs in our God, let the thorns of the blood of Jesus right now, let the blood of Jesus break the curse, break the curse, and send blessings to them right now. I want some of you to quit speaking curses over your children that are backsliding. Quit speaking the curse of what they're doing and start speaking the blessings of the Lord's blood over them. Amen. God doesn't need to be reminded that they're sinning. But you need to be reminded that His blood has taken care of it. Amen. There's one more place that Jesus shed blood. And... Uh, well, two, actually. On the cross, he shed blood. And when he was on the cross, think about this with me. Every place in his body is bleeding now. There isn't a place that doesn't have blood on it. His face, his back, his, face, his, back, his arms, his legs, everything's blood. We would say he was a bloody mess. I think God would say he was a bloody message. Amen. But while he's on the cross, his blood was saying this. Father God, I want you to be at peace with every person that receives my blood. You're no longer at war with them. They're no longer at war with you because it was the blood of his cross. The Bible says in Colossians, Colossians says the blood of his cross made peace for us. I want you guys to quit wrestling with God. Quit arguing with God. Quit thinking God's against you. Quit thinking God always has a better plan and he's going to make you. I want you to realize God is at peace with you. He's not angry at you. He's not frustrated with you. He's not even disappointed in you. How can a supreme being be disappointed in humans? Because he knows his power. And I want you to start living in the power of the cross. God, I don't even have to impress you. I know a lot of Christians that try to impress God with how many scriptures they know and how many uh, phrases they learn in these charismatic churches. And, and God said, would you stop it? You don't have to impress me. If you look at my son's hands, you've already impressed him. 
You're in his hands forever. That's you in there. That's you in those scars. And then the last place where Jesus shed blood, and we'll have prayer. And I saved it for last, even though it was the first place he bled. When he was eight days old, they circumcised him. He bled. See, it's the blood that has the power. It, it, it isn't that he's a little baby and he doesn't even know how to make sentences yet. It's the fact that he's the holy man of God. Jesus didn't get holy. He was born holy. And he never lost his holiness. Right. Amen. And when his blood came out that day, a little eight-day-old baby that didn't even know how to say it, his blood was actually saying this, God, make sure that Wayne knows that he's always going to have my covenant. I'll never take my covenant promises from him. I'll never take my covenant blessings from him. Let him know that the covenant with him is not based on his behavior pattern. It's based on my blood. And I shed my blood even as an eight-day-old baby. And my blood right then spoke, may the covenant be sealed with him. Because that's what circumcision is. Sealing of the covenant. God, I want to thank you. This church is covered by the blood of Jesus. And your covenant blood is with us tonight. Would you stand? I know we sometimes think that we messed up the covenant because we disobeyed or we did something wrong. But we need to repent people. We need to be a repenting people. I believe in that so much. But can I just say this to you? God did not cut the covenant with you. He cut it with Jesus. And Jesus has never sinned and he can never sin. It's impossible for him to sin. But Jesus said, Father, I want them to be involved in the blessings that come from this covenant. And that's why God won't give up on you. Some of you have given up on you. Some of you at one time or another in your life tried to take your life because you didn't believe in the covenant. Some of you have been more frustrated with God because of these crises that you've been going through. But the, the fact is this, people, the covenant is still intact for you. And God wants to still bless you and heal you and even give to you. He loves us so much, says that He wants to uh, change us. Father, we thank you for the blood. Would you just raise your hand a minute? Let's just. Praise Him for His blood. Praise Jesus for the blood right now. Jesus, we thank You for the power of Your blood. We thank You that Your blood is right now active, it's alive, it's speaking, it's holy, it's pure. Theology can't erase it. Time can't erase it. Jesus, Your blood is still very prevalent in our lives. And we thank You we receive the power of that blood. We receive everything that Your blood speaks for us right now. We're through arguing with You, Jesus. We thank You that Your blood has the final say. Yes. And Your blood has set us free. And Your blood has made us whole. And Your blood keeps giving to us and giving to us and allowing us to be blessed every moment of our lives. We thank You that Your blood will always forgive us when we fail. Oh, we thank You, Jesus. Your blood won't even allow the Father to get discouraged with us. We praise you for the blood over this church, over this ministry. Your blood will always have the prevalent power and authority for this church to move forward in all types of, of dimensions of the miraculous. Your blood has paved the way for it. And we receive the power of that blood right now. 
want you in your own way just say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I want to thank you that you bled everywhere in your body so my whole body would be covered. Jesus, you haven't left one place undone. You even bled inside for me. And I just want to thank you, Jesus. And I receive that blood right now. I just want to do this. Is there anybody in here, and, and, and we, we probably won't take time to do personal healing tonight as far as that, because we still have two more nights. But I especially hear God saying that one where Jesus shed his blood on, with his back, on his back. If there's people in here, you need a miracle from God physically, or you have a loved one that actually needs a miracle from God physically, either a disease, an infirmity, an affliction, some kind of uh, thing you had in your body. Some of you think, well, I was born with this, so I guess I'll just have to keep it. Uh, who knows what it is that you need God to heal tonight by his blood. I want you to just come up here real quick. We're going to pray about that. Come on. If you need any kind of healing, it could be an angry on the toe now. doesn't matter. Anything that the blood of Jesus, right now, we can apply the blood of Jesus. We're going to say, Jesus, heal my knees, heal the arthritis, heal the back problems, heal the ear problems, heal the jaws, heal the teeth, heal the eyes, heal my uh, kidneys and my lungs. There's somebody here who needs Jesus to touch their lungs and heal them tonight. Jesus, your blood covers. Come on up. I knew there was a lot of people in here that need divine healing. Divine healing. Now, see, I believe there, there should be a few people that you only get sick once in a while and you only need something healed once in a while. That's okay. But there's somebody still out there that you have a reoccurring thing all the time and Jesus wants to heal it. And you're saying, well, you know. There's somebody out there that needs to come up here right now. I don't even know who it is. And it, but if you don't, it's no condemnation. I mean, it's like uh, Jesus go back there where they are and heal them anyway. I mean, you know, that's how I, that's how I see it. But there is something about coming out and, and coming down and saying, Jesus, I position myself right before you right now. I'm going to let you heal me. Somebody in here thinks that what's wrong with you, maybe a disorder, maybe something that's uh, dysfunctional in a sense, that it's so common and, and you don't even want people to even know. But we're not going to ask you to tell us what it is. But somebody in here needs Jesus to heal something right now in your life that you've had to put up with too long now. Here he comes. Amen. Amen. I believe it, bro. I believe tonight is your night to receive that healing because you came out to do that. Amen. I think what we'll do instead of putting your hands wherever it is because Jesus already has his blood all over you. Amen. I think we'll just raise our hands to him, Danny. I want God to heal you miraculously. I want miracles. God, you know, Christians, we don't have to just put up what you help us and you help us tolerate and you'll make us feel good even though we're losing it. God, healing come tonight. I pray over every man and woman at this altar. We believe right now for the blood of Jesus. I want you to hear him speaking. My blood speaks healing into your body, healing into your soul, healing into your emotions, healing into that disease and that infirmity, healing into whatever areas of your body. It could be more than one area. It could be the organs inside of your body. It could be muscles or tendons or ligaments or joints. Jesus, come and heal tonight. Let your blood, I want you to just start saying, by your blood, I am healed. By your blood, I am healed. I receive my healing through the blood of Jesus Christ. I receive it tonight. It is already moving in my life. Jesus, thank you that your blood will always avail. Your blood will never lose its power. Never lose its power. Lord, let your blood be stronger than their doubt. Let your blood be stronger than their opinions. Let your blood be stronger than their doctrine.
doctrines that says, God, don't want to heal them. God, I don't know what's bothering, what's hindering, but let your blood right now overpower that, overrule that, overwhelm that thought. And let these people tonight receive God's healing power. Hallelujah. Not because of a merciful God that's having pity on you, but because of a God who chose you to be one of the examples of His healing power. He chose you to be healed so other people will know that He's the healing God. In Jesus' name, we receive it to give you glory, God. We don't even receive it to feel better. We receive, I want you to just say that to God. I receive my healing and I will glorify you in it. I will glorify you with my healing. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. One more, and then I've got to let Pastor have it. I can't keep you here all night. we got tomorrow night. But I believe there's a blood of Jesus right now that He wants you to know that speaks over your lost loved ones. Some of y'all have cried and wept and felt so bad. You've got sons and daughters or grandchildren, aunts or uncles or brothers or sisters that are so far away from the kingdom of God right now. And they need a miracle. And I believe the blood of Jesus right now speaks over them. I believe the blood of Jesus declares you're not going to die without me and you're not going to hell. And you're not going to continue in your bondage and your deception. And there's somebody in here, more than one somebody, who has a loved one who is trapped in the lifestyle that is contrary to the divine order of God's creation for men and women. Now, I said a mouthful there, but you know what I'm talking about. And I don't care who they are, where they are, how long they've been in it. or how, I, I believe tonight God wants to break that power and set them free. He wants to reveal who the true Jesus is. Raise your hands with me. You guys raise your hands with us. And let's speak the blood of Jesus over every lost soul, uh, loved one, rebellious ones, renegades, runaways. It doesn't matter all the prodigals. We speak the blood. We speak the blood of Jesus that right now retrieves them, that right now brings them back into the kingdom, brings them out out of that bondage, out of that mindset. So there's a couple people in here, your, your, your loved ones went to some kind of secular university and got all messed up with their uh, psychologies and their uh, spirits of answer. God, heal their minds right now. Bring them out of that wrong thinking, that deceptive thinking. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the blood that recovers people, recovers people, and brings them out of their bondage. Oh, when you put the blood on the door of Israel, they were able to come out of their bondage because the blood covered them. And the death angel couldn't take their loved ones. And I speak the blood of Jesus over all your loved ones right now. And I speak that the death angel can't come to them and destroy them. But that Jesus will bring them out into their promised land. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's praise Him for that church. Praise Him for
Somebody in here, you've got parents that need to be saved. And it's hurt you. And I'm thanking God that before this season's over, you're going to hear of a miracle. You're going to hear God's report. My dad, my mom has turned to Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Some of y'all need to get ready to get a phone call from some of your prodigals and saying, guess what, Mom? Guess what, Dad? Guess what, Aunt? Whoever. I want you to know Jesus has saved me. He just redeemed me. I'm free. See, you won't have to whip yourself anymore. If I'd have been a better mother, if I'd have been a better daddy, if only we hadn't done that, you know what? Don't put Jesus under your feet. I don't know what we've done. I don't know what we haven't done. We're not the best parents in the world. I'll, I'll claim that. But you know, Jesus raised 12 young men for three years. One of them denied him. One of them betrayed him. And another 10 ran when he needed him. I don't think he was a great parent either. You can't make your kids be great because you were great. But I'll tell you what, God can get them. God loves them more than you do anyway. God's not ready to punish them. He wants all of your family to be redeemed by the blood. He wants you to watch him restore Zion with your own eyes. You don't even have to die for this. I know one day, even if I'm dead, he'll get, no, God, I pray that whatever you need to do to rescue uh, loved ones that we need to see you, I'll pray you do it while our eyes are still functioning. Yes, while we're alive. In Jesus' name. Pastor, come on, we can finish some more tomorrow. We love you guys. God bless you. Guys.
us tell our story. So um, I know you just sat down. Let's stand. I'm going to pray over us and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for the message that we have heard tonight. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. The, the, the song that says it will never lose its power. It will never lose its power. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for healing spiritually, soul, and body. That we have healing in those areas. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. And God bless you. Thank you. Really, really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I did it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We'll do it again. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What did she say? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Hey, my house, he cooks. Yeah. <laughs> but to, 